The body of Christ is an amazing thing. Amen? I mean, when the Lord's people come together in the Lord's house on the Lord's day, that's exciting stuff. And I love this body, and I thank you all for making a priority to come to church so we can do this together. Those of you that are watching online, I love you too, and you know that, but I'd be lying to you if I didn't tell you I wish you were here because it's good to be here together in the body of Christ. It's just wonderful. Now, I don't know if you remember this or not, but several years ago, we did a sermon series from James McDonald, John Ortberg, and Bob Russell, and several other places where we were trying to, to maybe put a, a, a fingerprint on the kind of church we want to be at South Union. You remember doing that? We, some of the things we landed on, we decided we wanted to be a church that welcomed without judgment and still preached the clear Word of God. In other words, you come to church on Sunday morning, we intend to the best of our ability to preach the Word of God to you, and then if it bounces off of something in your life that you're not doing, that's between you and God, but we're not going to judge you. You know, whether I'm talking about lying or gossip or fornication or adultery or homosexuality, whatever it is, we're doing our best here to preach the clear Word of God, and then you work it out with God where that uh, lines up in your life. But nobody's judging anybody. So we welcome without judgment. Anybody's welcome here. We uh, decided we wanted to be a church that loves without condition because, oh my goodness, that's the way Jesus does it, isn't it? We just talked about it last week. You look through the New Testament, and that's the way Jesus loved, always. I mean, he never gave in. He never gave up. Anybody in here besides me experienced in their life the relentless love of Jesus Christ? It's amazing, isn't it? It really is. So we want to be a church that welcomes without judgment, preaches the clear Word of God, loves without condition, and then this morning, as we wrap up this sermon series on Words Matter, I want to talk about being a church that forgives no limits, no lines. We use the words, I forgive you at South Union Christian Church, because you're going to find out pretty soon if you didn't already know. Those are powerful words, I forgive you. And they're hard sometimes. Some of the easier things, it's easy to forgive. I'll give you an easy example. Last weekend for Father's Day, we went and played golf, Jeremy, Eric, Scotty, and I. And it would probably, we, we play pretty competitive golf, you know what I mean? And we trash each other. It might be out of line if I was have the score put up on the big screen. I mean, I mean that might be out of line. I mean, I don't know. You see the circle 75 there. But, but if I was to put that up and then to tell the guys, hey, man, I'm sorry I did that, they would probably say, I forgive you. Now, take it down or it probably becomes a big thing. So little things are easy to say, I forgive you. Big things, sometimes not so much, right? All of us in here are familiar with the part of the model prayer that says, forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. And the reason we're familiar with that is all of us in here have somebody right now that owes us something. We all have debtors. And it might be a a father who made promises to you and didn't keep them, broke your spirit. Maybe it's a handyman that just recently took advantage of you, you know, ripped you off. Maybe a coach didn't play you when you were, maybe somebody at church hurt your feelings, spoke some untruth about you. Maybe it's a friend that owes you some money. That's really bothering me. Maybe it's a, a spouse that was unfaithful. One way or another, somebody owes us something, right? I mean, they owe us an explanation at least, an apology, some money, a marriage, a life, a childhood. Well, what are we going to do with that? <laughs> You know, are we actually going to pray, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, when we have resentment against somebody? 
Are we actually going to say, Lord, please forgive us the way we've forgiven other people when right now we're mad at somebody because they, they stole some money from our inheritance or, you know, they ripped us off some other way or they lied about us or they unfair? I mean, this is serious business. This is incredible, a, a, a part of every one of our lives. We're all struggling with this. Am I, am I telling the truth? A guy came home from work one day, had a long, a long day, and he saw his five-year-old daughter sitting on the porch, and she was down. And he said, honey, what's the matter? She said, daddy, I've been fighting with your wife all day long. I mean, this starts at a very young age. You know what I'm talking about? Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15 reads, see to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows to cause trouble and defile many. One person said it like this. If your anger is like holding a hot coal that you intend to throw at somebody, you're the one that gets burned. I mean, this is eternal ramification stuff we're talking about. And it's very important that we get this personally, but I think it's even more important that we get this collectively. And so as we finish up the words that matter deal, I just have one point I'm going to make this morning, and it's this. Jesus demands forgiveness. He demands it, and he commands it. And the truth is, we're never showing our Christianity any clearer than when we're doing this, because that's what Jesus did. He forgave. I I want us to be a church that welcomes without judgment, preaches the clear Word of God, loves without condition, and then when it comes to forgiveness, oh yeah, we do that at South Union. We forgive each other without limits and without lines. I'm going to read a few scriptures to you this morning. I'm going to show you how, remind you of how important this is. And this is kind of ouchy stuff. This is not a fun one, okay? But it's okay. We need to work through this kind of stuff. Matthew 6, 12. We're, we're familiar with the model prayer. It starts in verse 11. Give us this day our daily bread. And then verse 12 says, and forgive us our debts as we've forgiven our debtors. Some translations say transgressors, as we forgive, uh, you know, our transgressions, as we forgive our transgressors. Some say sins, as we forgive our sinners. But we all know this one, right? What, my question is, what do you suppose Jesus is saying here? Do you think he's saying, Lord, forgive us our debts as we're in the process of forgiving those that owe us something? In other words, Lord, as we're trying to figure out a way to forgive them, would you try to figure out a way to forgive us? Is that what he's saying? Or is Jesus saying, forgive us our debts to the degree that we're forgiving our debtors? In other words, Lord, we're asking you to forgive us to the same level that we're forgiving other people. Well, I don't know about you, but either one of those scare me to death. That's frightening stuff because what that means very literally is the way that you and I forgive each other connects with the way God forgives us. And that's sobering stuff. It should be spooky. Look at verse 14. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. I mean, there it is again. First God, then me. I mean, first me, then God. You'd think it'd be the other way around. First God, then me. But Jesus said, no, you go first, and then God. And in verse 15, Jesus is saying, in case you didn't get my point the first time, I'm going to say it to you again in reverse. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. I mean, seriously, anybody else in here having a problem with this than me? Anybody else in here a little nervous to stand before God right now with something in our heart against somebody else? James McDonald says it like this, every habitually unforgiving person remains unforgiven by God and is not at this moment a citizen of heaven. Let me, let me read that again. 
Every habitually unforgiving person remains unforgiven by God and is not at this moment a citizen of heaven. I don't know. I think he's right. I, I think this is clear teaching. I, I think this is pretty clear. I think this is tough. Haven't most of us in here struggled with unforgiveness? Raise your hand if that's true. If you don't have your hand up, would you clearly turn to the person next to you and say, I need a good old-fashioned sermon online? Because we do. We all struggle with this thing. And the sad truth is, we're living in a world right now where you can't live very long without somebody someplace doing something to hurt you. And when that happens, we got to work through this unforgiveness stuff. This is business. And somebody might say, I'm working on it, preacher. Well, I'm not talking to you. I'm not talking to the person who's working on it. I'm not even talking to the person who's working on it and having trouble getting it done, but is still working on it. You know who I'm talking to? Unfortunately, I've experienced this not just with me, but with some of you. I'm talking to the person who's saying in their heart right now, and maybe even sometimes out loud, I'm not getting over it. I can't get over it. You have no idea what they've done to me. I can't work through this. That's why I'm talking to. Because when you're talking to somebody like that, it's clear you're talking to somebody who has an unchecked, unrestrained, habitual pattern of unforgiveness in their life. And my question to you this morning, family, is this. Is a person in that condition saved or not? I mean, I'm, I'm trying to get our spiritual juices flowing. Is a person who's habitually unforgiving, are they saved? Let's work through this thing. In order for us to be saved, we have to be forgiven by God. And in order for us to be forgiven by God, we've got to give forgiveness. You see what I'm talking about? This is tough stuff here. And I think it's pretty interesting. Anytime I preach a sermon on this, which has been many over the course of 40 years, I get the same response. There's about half of us in here that have a panic look on their face. These are committed Christians who are saying, oh my goodness, I hope I don't have that going on right now. Let me see, I'm going through the thing right now. Lord, Holy Spirit, please bring to mind anybody in my life right now that, that I'm not forgiven and, and, and let me work through this. I mean, I'm, I'm going to go down the altar right now before he's even finished because Lord, I need your forgiveness. There's a group of committed Christians that are going through that in their mind right now. And there is also a group, probably a small group, I hope, but I've been in it before. I'm not now that are saying, so be it. That's the way it's going to be because I can't get over this thing. And, of course, we know when that happens, our hearts are hard, and we can't really forgive anybody without the help of the Holy Spirit. Serious stuff here. This is not fun business. This is tough teaching. Don't, don't kill the messenger, okay? I, I'm just preaching it, remember? Trying to preach the true Word of God, and you work it out. Here's some more Scripture, Mark eleven twenty five. Jesus says, and when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anybody, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. There it goes again. It bears like he's being as clear with this as he can be. And, and the clearness is the reason for this is it's very, very important for us to understand that the way we forgive each other connects with the way God forgives us. That's how important it is. In fact, I bet that when we prayed together earlier, you know, like we do every week, I come out and get on my knees and we pray together. I bet if we'd have read this scripture first during our prayer time, some of you might have been saying, oh my goodness, I'm praying in church and I, I really, I'm upset with them really bad. I, I better work through this right now. I mean, family, I'm telling you, I, I really know how Jesus could be much clearer than this. 
I don't. I mean, I know some scriptures are hard to figure out. Sometimes I got to get the commentaries out. I got to get the Greek out. Some of them are hard to figure But some of them are clear as a bell. This is clear as a bell, and I think it's very serious. And I think if you're in here today and you have this pattern of unforgiveness right now over one person or several, and you're going to leave here today and not deal with it, I'm just saying, please drive carefully. I mean, I'm serious. Please be careful driving home. If you're walking around in your house today and you start feeling chest pains and you're harboring unforgiveness, before you call 911, you better call the person you hate because I'm just telling you, if you die and go stand before God with unforgiveness, man, don't make me say it. I I have a hard enough time reading it. Jesus is trying to be as clear and as urgent as he can as he tells us that this has got eternal ramification hanging on it, whether you forgive him. Now listen, please. If you're at home listening, look, stop what you're doing and listen. Here, if you're on your phone messing around, look up here for a minute. Do not misquote me. We are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, period. We are not saved by forgiven people, Okay. We're saved by grace through faith. But James makes it very clear in James chapter 2 that that kind of faith that saves us, if, it's, if it has no works with it, it's dead, right? In other words, saying it ain't living it. And so even though you and I are not forgiven because we forgive, we're saved by grace. The Bible makes it clear and clear and clear and over and over and over again, what we just read this morning, that forgiven people forgive people. And so if you don't forgive people, you do the math. Forgiven people forgive. It's what we do. Even if it's hard, we forgive. Even if it hurts, we forgive. Even if it seems impossible, we forgive. Because that's what Jesus does. Luke 6, 37. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. I mean, there we go again. It seems like he's bringing this up every time he preaches. He thinks we might have a problem with it. Luke 17, 4. If your brother sins against you seven times in one day and seven times comes back to you and says, I repent, what's it say to do, church? Forgive them. That's what we do. Because the way we forgive each other connects with the way God forgives us. Jesus doesn't just command this. He demands this. And we know that because of the consequences that happen if we don't. This is a mandate. This is a you do or else. And you say, well, that doesn't sound too much like Jesus threatening people. Well, I beg to differ. That's exactly what he's doing. Let's say after church today, we're having a little snack time, and we're over around the kitchen, and we're eating and and laughing at Danny Trelock's stupid jokes and having a good time and all that kind of stuff, and and a fire breaks out in the kitchen, and it's pretty obvious we're not going to be able to put it out, and and we're kind of running around here, and you look up through the window up there, and you see a couple kids running around, and one of the workers, and they have no idea what's going on. If you love those people with the clearest Uh, most urgent words possible, you're going to tell them, get out of the building, it's on fire. That's exactly what Jesus is doing. With the most urgent, clearest uh, words that he can deliver to us, he's telling us that unforgiveness in our lives will burn our spirits to the ground, and we better do something about it. Now, there's all kinds of reasons why we don't forgive each other, all kinds of rationalizations. I was going to put them in my sermon, but two things. None of them have any credibility, (laughs) and I don't have time. 
So I thought what, in, instead what we'd do before we get down the altar and do some business, because I, I suspect there's some people that need to do some business this morning, I thought we'd get a definition of forgiveness to see if we're getting it done. I found several. One person says forgiveness is leaving any punishment due to be administered by the hands of God, the only perfect judge. I like that. The one I've used for years, and you've probably heard me say several times, is to me forgiveness is giving up my right of retaliation. I always like that. But I found one better. Listen to this. This person said that forgiveness is the decision to release a person from the obligation resulted when they injured you. It's the decision to release a person from the obligation that resulted when they injured you. I think that's good. Let, let's say after church today, I come up to you and I say, hey, you got 20 bucks? Can I borrow 20 bucks? Yeah, what for? Well, you know, they're selling those little discount cards for Ban at Ellisville, and, and, you know, or popcorn for the Boys Scouts or something for the girls. They're always selling something, and I don't have any cash. Can I have 20 bucks? You say, sure. Well, I get busy running around. I didn't actually buy anything, and so I just stick the 20 in my pocket. Well, most of you know, uh, you know me well enough that when I get home and I find out that I've got your 20, I'm going to give it back to you. But what if I don't? See, see, we're okay if I give you back your 20. But what if I don't? Who's in prison? You are. I'm not in prison. I got 20 bucks. You know what I mean? You're in prison because you're going to think, now, did he do that on purpose or did he forget? And pretty soon you're going to start telling a few people because that's how we do. You know what? That preacher, he borrowed $20 from me, and he said he was going to. He didn't do anything with it. And then pretty soon you're going to wonder if I did it on purpose. And when you see me, instead of having the courage to ask me for your 20 you're going to be mad at me. And you're not going to be able to listen to me preach because I took $20 from you. And you're going to be in prison until the day you die. Or you can fix it. You can say, you know what? We're good. You can have that 20 you know, I release you from the obligation of the injury that happened when you didn't use the 20 the way you said it was and didn't give it back to me because I thought about all the times that Jesus forgave me. I think I can give up $20. We're good. See, that's what normal looks like to a Christian according to Jesus. Now, I don't want to make a book of this, but I know some things are hard to understand, especially in Scripture. Well, in life, too. I mean, you know, to me, um, women are hard to understand. I, I gave up a long time ago. And you know what sealed the deal for me? <laughs> to seal the deal. Okay, women will allow people to put hot wax on their eyebrows. I mean, hot enough to make their skin red. You know what? I've seen it. I've watched my sister do it to my wife and my kids. They allow somebody to put hot wax on their eyebrows and then put a piece of tape on it and rip the hair right out without, you know, straight from the roots and not even flinch. And then scream like a baby when a spider goes across the room. I mean, I'm never going to be able to understand women. I know the scripture's like that. Some scripture's like, I don't get it. I've studied it and studied it and studied it. Other scripture, pretty easy to get. Like men, we're pretty easy to understand. Women, all men think they're supermen. We just do. You know, go, go golfing with Richard. You know, he hits one down the middle. Just watch how he acts. You know, we, we just think, or better yet, just watch a guy come home from Sam's. He's just bought a new mattress. He's got the thing tied to the top of his car. He's driving down the road. What's he doing with his left hand? Got it out the window, hold it. Like he's saying, if the wind tries to take this off my car at 60 miles an hour, no problem. I got it. With my left hand. Yeah, I got it. We think we're Superman. You know what I mean? And, and ladies, you always wonder what men are thinking. Let me just tell you. 
Nothing. We ain't thinking nothing. So some things are hard to understand. Some things are easy to understand. I get it. Some scripture is really tough to get. Other is clear as a bell. This is clear as a bell. This forgiveness business from Jesus is not rocket science. He's just telling us in a very precise way, if you want to receive my forgiveness, you don't have to give it. Period. So I'm going to ask you again, as a, as a person that loves you dearly as part of my family, do you have anybody in here this morning that you're upset with, that you've not let off the hook? Anybody? I'm going to tell you one thing that's going to make it easier to deal with this this morning. Not easy, easier. Something that always makes it easier to forgive people. The broken body and the shed blood. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says, for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. For the joy set before him. What in the world is he talking about? For the joy of being beaten almost too long, to having a crown of thorns bashed down on his head. Is, is that the joy that he was looking forward to? Was the joy set before Jesus to have his hands nailed and his feet nailed to a cross and to hang naked in the sun for six hours with a whole mob of people laughing at him, including his, his mother watching him and people spitting on him where he has to pull himself up to catch a breath and let himself down and pull himself up until he finally dies from a broken heart, literally, because he can't pull himself up anymore? Is that the joy that was set before? Is the joy set before Jesus the fact that he took every sin that's ever been committed, every lie, every gossip, every slander, every bad thought, every fornication, every adultery, every rape, every child molestation, every piece of pornography lit on top of him? Is that the joy? No. The joy set before Jesus is that when all of that was over, he could look each one of us in the eye and say, I forgive you. I've made the decision to release you from the obligation of your sin.